Well, let's take our Bibles again, turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 is what we're going to use, and we've been dealing with secrets of successful living, secrets of successful living. Last week we began a, a lesson on this topic, making it our ambition to please Him. And so that's, um, that's a great, great topic, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Well, anyway, I'm just kind of curious. Why, why'd you even come to church tonight? I'm just kind of curious. Why'd you come to church tonight? Anybody? I'm just curious. I don't want you guys to answer. No, I, no, don't, no. We don't want to hear from you. <laughs> I know your answers are going to be right, and I don't want the right answer tonight. No, I'm teasing, but, but I, I do. I, I want, give, me, give me an answer real quick. What, what do you got? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. yeah. To, praise to praise the Lord. Okay, there's one reason. She came because she wanted to praise the Lord tonight. Who else? Anybody? Anybody? Why'd you come to church tonight? Okay, Susan? Okay, just wanted a little bit of shot in the arm, maybe. A little bit of shot in the arm. Okay. Anybody else? Any other reasons for coming tonight? Yes, sir, down here. You wanted to hear from God, okay. All right. Anybody else? Okay. All right, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Amen. Good. All right. Anybody else? Any other reasons? Yeah, all the way in the back. <laughs> I believe that. I know you wouldn't be here otherwise. <clears throat> okay. All right. Yeah, right in front. Okay. Pick me up. Yeah, amen. It's encouraging. Yeah, right here. I think it's important that you would be encouraged by 
Okay. Amen. Something special about being around God's people and just uh, it's different than trying to see it on a TV screen or something, even a home live stream. He's saying being here makes a big difference. Just being around God's people and you being there for other, for, for other of God's people. Sure. Anybody in this section, anything? Any reason at all? Right? I, I think it's important. I, I mean, you know, we come to church. Why do we do what we do? You know, everything ought to have a reason, right? You should never do anything without a purpose. Everything ought to have a purpose in your life. You know, whether it's sleeping or whether it's going to church or reading your Bible, praying, you ought to have a reason for it, a purpose for it. And I think too many, too many times we get doing things just out of rote habit. We just get used to it. We just do things habitually. And as a result of that, we miss out on the real purpose for doing it, and we don't really get or glean what we should from it. And so I think as we uh, consider going to church or the house of God, we ought to be thinking about why we're going so that when we arrive there, we can get what we need. Now, again, um, <clears throat> all of those reasons are reasons we go to God's house. I mean, uh, all of those things fit somewhere in God's perspective and, and, and reason for coming. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching and things like that. So there's no doubt that encouragement uh, among the brethren and being lifted up, being shot in the arm and just the need to worship and to praise and all of those things are all things we ought to be thinking about as we come. And so therefore we ought to be preparing ourselves and readying ourselves so that when we arrive, we're in a position and a place to glean and get what God wants us to. And uh, I think that's important. When you come this weekend, you, what's the reason? Why are you coming to the men's conference? Well, what is it that you, what's your reason for coming? Is it just because if I'm not there, somebody will notice and then they'll be on my back? You know, is it, is, what, what's the reason? And I hope it's a biblical reason. I hope it's a scriptural reason. And, and then I trust that you'll come for the right reason in the end. So, you know, that you'll get what you really needed. And uh, I'm sure God will do that. He said his word will not return void, but uh, everything we do. So tonight, as we gather tonight, we come many kind of approaching church from maybe a little bit of a different perspective than the other. Everybody's a little different. Everybody's circumstances, situations, slightly unique. As a result of that, you may come needing a pick-me-up. You may come wanting just to learn something from the Word of God, want to meet with God Himself, want to have a, you know, and obviously all of those things I think are probably things that we have in our heart, but... We trust tonight that you came with a purpose. And then as we pray, you ought to be saying, Lord, now meet my need. I need you to help me through this and to get me through it and, and help me get what I need. And boy, he'll do that for us. All right. Well, I hope, uh, I hope you're not just here because you had to, like some people. But anyway, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> I won't mention any names. This is going worldwide right now. But anyway, uh, <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Just a real simple verse. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. The Apostle Paul, of course, uh, writing the church of Corinth. And he says, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, meaning present with, uh, present with the Lord, or I mean present in the body or absent from the body, that kind of thing, uh, whether we're with God or not with God, we want to be accepted of him in that sense. And so we see here, whether we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted, whether we're with you or we're not with you, whatever it might be there, you see that he's just saying, uh, we want to be accepted of him. 
and him being the Lord. And you know what? We ought to want to be accepted too. And one of the great secrets of the Christian life is just that, making it our ambition to please him. You really want to be successful in your Christian life? There it is. In a nutshell, that statement, make him your, make your ambition in life to please the Lord. That's the bottom line. And so it's the greatest ambition you could possibly have because you were created for that purpose, to please him. And so if you're not fulfilling your God-given purpose, you're going to be unsatisfied and unfulfilled. That's a reality of life. We talk about the void and the emptiness of the lost and that live in the world, but the truth is, is that many believers, in essence, are also void, and there's a something missing in their life. That something is a relationship and fellowship, the intimacy that Christ intended for us. And if we fail to have that and we fail to please him by walking with him, as we saw with Enoch, then we too are going to have an element of a void. Oh, we may have Christ living in us, no doubt, in the person of the Holy Spirit, but yet his fullness will not be recognized in our life. And as a result of that, we're going to be missing out on the very best that God has for us. And so we noted these things as we uh, began uh, last week. And so we started and we said, all right, um, what are the conditions then for pleasing God? What are the conditions? Well, we said, first of all, we must be born again. It's impossible to please God if we're not even his child. We need to please him by, first of all, being born again, getting into the family of God. Because we know that if we're not saved, then we're not in the spirit of God. We're in the flesh, uh, without a doubt. Okay, so we noted that, we talked about it, and we addressed it. And number two, we said, we must separate ourselves from all sinful and doubtful things. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And the truth is, is that so many times, if we're not careful, we get entangled with the world, get too wrapped up with the things of the world. And that's a problem for believers. Now, again, I do realize it's 2019, and I know that things are a lot different now than they were in, 20, uh, in 1950, and they're a lot different than they were in 1900, a lot different than they were back in 1850, and a lot different than they were back in 1700. But you know what isn't different? God's expectation in his word for us. The the problem is too many times we allow the change in our culture to dictate what we believe to be correct or right in God's eyes. Because what we have done basically is this. We have, in essence, we have created our own image of God. We create an image of God in our own mind. We say this is what God is, this is who God is. And this is what God accepts and what God allows now. Because of our changing times and our changing culture, obviously God doesn't, it's not like it used to be. Wait a second, God hasn't changed nor has his word changed. Sadly enough, we like to believe that the image or the, 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 the God we create in our own mind is the God we are to serve. But the God we're to serve is the one that's outlined in, 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 in the word of God. And so we have to be careful with that. And so it's important that if we're going to truly please God, the one who created us, then we're going to have to separate ourselves from all sinful and doubtful things. And therefore, that means we cannot get entangled with the world. We just can't. As, as, I mean, as alluring as that is, and as practical as that may seem, it is not scriptural. And it's not in our best interest, nor is it in the best interest of the world that needs that distinction to be um, recognized. Now, we're going to um, um, continue on now, and we're going to look at this next one. And the next one is, 
We must dedicate our lives to him. If we're going to please him, if we are going to please him, then we must dedicate our lives to him. Now, again, we're talking about this this thought, this idea of, of pleasing the Lord, making it our ambition to please him. And if we're going to, to, we're going to do that, then we have to be born again. We've got, to be, we've got to separate ourselves from all sinful and doubtful things, and we must dedicate our lives to him. And we're going to note that it's not a matter of degree. Well, I, I dedicate my life this much. I dedicate it this much. No, God doesn't want any amount that you can possibly picture with an outstretched hand What he wants is everything and all of you completely. And that's what he wants of me. He's not in the business of negotiating dedication or or levels of dedication. He's not interested in what you choose to give him. He's only interested in what he wants from you. And if you'll give him what he wants and you'll please him with your dedication then you will understand ultimately and experience successful Christian living. Very few people, and I think all of us at times, find ourselves not experiencing what God intended. Why? Because we are not giving Him what He demands. I don't care how how biblical, I don't care how separated we believe ourselves to be, If we are not careful, we find ourselves withholding or holding back something. Not completely, fully dedicated. Because you decide that you, because you have defined dedication in your life, doesn't mean that it is a definition that God accepts. And those are things, again, that we have to be careful with. We have to be very careful. Um... Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer very quickly, and then we'll move on, because we're we're running out of time fast on the Wednesday nights. It goes quick. Father, bless us. We need you. Fill me now. I need you, Lord. I'm excited about the evening service. I'm thankful, Father, for the Word of God. And so many of these folk have come seeking something. Everyone needs something tonight. Bless us. Now, may we get what we indeed came for, and may we get what you want for us. Well, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Brother Bob, you need water? Here you go, big guy. Okay, just head on out. That's cool. All right. So nonetheless, um, we're going to see here that we must dedicate our lives to him. Now, often, you know, when we ask for a person's signature, we'll say something like this. We'll say, hey, listen, I need your John John Hancock. We used to say that more. Now, I know your kids don't say that anymore. You guys don't say nothing. You know, you just play video games. Okay, so... You know, so that's not an issue, okay? I'm talking about people when we actually interacted with folks. Uh, by the way, that was really a good piano. You did a great job on that, brother. That, that was very good, by the way. Very good. So we got some teenagers that aren't like that. Get that. We get that they interact. I'm just messing with them. But the truth is, is that we used to say things like, hey, listen, put your John Hancock on there right there. Sign the dotted line. And... Um, you know, that's because the, you know, of the 56 signatures on the Declaration of Independence, one of them does stand out more than the rest. And that signature belongs to none other than John Hancock. Now, he was the first to sign the Declaration, and he signed it in a very large and very legible script so that the King of England could read his name without even using glasses. That was his mindset when he signed, that he would not even need glasses. 
So Mr. Hancock wanted it to be very clear where his allegiance lay. He wanted no question about that in the king's mind. His commitment to his country was so clear that when King George III offered amnesty to all who would cease fighting, John Hancock was among the select few that were left out of the offer completely. Didn't even include him in the offer. You know why? Because he had made it very clear where he stood. Very clear. Now, let me ask you, has your signature let your, you know, has your, signature let your uh, king know how dedicated you are and how committed you are to him? But hold on. Let me ask this question. Does the enemy, King Satan, know that you're so dedicated that you can't even be bought? Not only would you sign on the dotted line for the Lord and say, I am dedicated, I am committed, but also King Satan, the God of this world, and he is a king of this world in that sense. He knows, might as well not even go after that one. He's so dedicated, he's so so in line and allegiance with the Lord Jesus Christ, man, he's a lost cause. One of the greatest and most definitive passages in the Bible that addresses the need to be dedicated is found in the book of Romans. And again, we've addressed this a while back. Turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, many of you know it by heart, but it goes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, he says, <clears throat> that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he goes on to say, wholly acceptable unto God. Now, I want you to notice, not only are we to present our bodies, but we're to present them holy and acceptable unto God. That holy and acceptable, I don't know about you, but it just screams, please, please God. I don't don't know how you can say it any other way. I mean, I beseech you, therefore, brother, mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And you know what? In in doing so, you please God. It's holy and acceptable. He wants it to be holy and acceptable. Unto him. Boy, I'll tell you what, your dedication pleases God. My dedication pleases God. Listen, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with your husband or wife, but I can tell you this much. When I know that my wife is dedicated to me, when her allegiance and her alliance is with me, when I know if there's one person going to back me up, so to speak, or on my side, it's going to be them. They may not always agree with me in that sense, but they're still in my corner, and I can count on them. Because they signed on the dotted line. They are dedicated and committed. I don't know about you, but that pleases me. I'm not saying that they have to agree with everything I think and everything I say. But I know one thing. They're in my corner and they want what's best for me. And they're there for me no matter what. Dedicated. I don't have to worry about them uh, stepping out on, on, out on me or doing something that's inappropriate. And, or, or spending more time with someone else other than myself without... Both of us understanding what that's all about. My friend, all I'm saying is, is that with the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to be in a position where we don't ever have to, where he never has to even be concerned about where am I at? What am I doing? Who am I with? I'm dedicated. 
I'm in alliance with him and I am in allegiance with him. I, I have a dedication to him that far surpasses anything else. And it ought to be that way in our lives. That's the way that we please God, through that kind of level of dedication. So how important is dedicating ourselves to God? It is a monumental step for every believer. You know, we used to preach and teach on, uh, you know, talk about being dedicated to the Lord. You need to rededicate your Lord, to the Lord, we'd even say. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Rededicate your life to the Lord. That was preached and taught all the time years ago. <clears throat> we don't talk about that much anymore, do we? I mean, really, think about that. Do you know why I think we don't talk as much about it? Because it doesn't happen anyway. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. It is, it, there's no, listen, it's not, it's not hard to say, forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. That's not hard, is it? But can I tell you, that's not a step of dedication. Unless, it's, unless it is a part of a greater element. Watch this. Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. And I repent of it. Do you know what's missing today in our lives? Repentance. Do you know, it's, it's one thing to know I'm wrong. God, forgive me. And then that's where it ends. But see, when we start crying years ago for rededicating a life, what we were saying is you recognize that you've stepped out of that umbrella of protection, so to speak. You realize that you've walked into the world slightly or that you've given up something of God to get into the world a little bit. You've, you've, you've removed a little bit of your element of dedication here and you've become a little bit more, um, more loyal to the world even or something in the world or someone in the world. And we'd say, you need to rededicate your life. And you came to the realization that indeed I have stepped out of his umbrella of protection into the world slightly. I've allowed myself to wander, to drift. Now, when I go and I say, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm sorry, Lord, I have drifted away, it doesn't stop with simply admitting my guilt or admitting my shortcoming because that's not enough. It has to continue with a slingshot back into this umbrella of protection. And that is where the repentance comes. That's where saying, you know what, I am wrong, and I'm not going to allow that to control my life. I'm going to allow you to control it now. And then we make the decision consciously to begin to walk according to the Word of God again. Not to simply continue to do what we're doing and say, well, I've confessed it. I realize I'm weak. I understand that I'm just human. I know that I'm just flesh. And I realize that God, nobody's perfect. That's how we usually handle things. And so we justify our sin in the eyes of God, or at least the God that we created. Because now he's going to accept us and he's okay with how we're living. Because guess what? He's the God we created. But that's not the God in the Bible. The God in the Bible says when you come to the understanding that you have failed him and that you've forsaken him or that you have drifted or you've wandered or you have, quote, backslidden, then my friend, when you confess that sin, it's not enough to just say, I have sinned. You have to also come back. And you have to align yourself with God and you have to dedicate yourself back into rightness, if you will, with the Lord. 
I think sometimes preachers have stopped preaching on dedication because it doesn't really happen. People come to altars and confess sin, get up and walk back to a seat with no change in their life or without even a a willingness to change. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I think we still need to preach it. I personally believe you need to dedicate your life every single day. I believe at times you may need to do it more than every day, more even every hour maybe. I don't know. You need to keep saying, Lord, I keep giving it back. I'm giving you my all. I'm giving it to you. I want you to have it all. I'm dedicating myself completely to you. Because, listen, there's temptations along the way. There are things out there that draw or misguide us, or draw us away or misguide us. But I'm just, I'm just I'm, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit um, concerned that the church has grown very, very cold to sin. And, and, and I know in my own life, it's easy in the world we live because we're so inundated and so saturated with sin that it almost becomes commonplace, even in our own Christian existence. And, and we fail, we, we, we really don't spend probably the time that we ought to spend in God's word and in his presence. And the only time that we really see the, the, the grotesqueness of sin, the way God intends us to, is when we see it in light of him in his perfection. I guess what I'm saying is it's a Isaiah chapter 6 issue. When Isaiah says, when I saw the Lord high and lifted up, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, that's when he saw himself and his people in sin. I believe today that in the church, rarely do we see him high and lifted up. We may see a preacher high and lifted up. We may see a Sunday school teacher high and lifted up. We may see somebody serving in the church high and lifted up in a sense. Oh, look at them. They're such a good example of what Christianity is. Wait a second. They're not the example. He's the example. And when we finally get to the point where we see him as the example, we recognize him and see him for who and what he really is. Then we'll see ourselves the way we ought to. And that's when true repentance will take place because you will, dis, you will loathe yourself until you get right with him. That is not a psychological thing that or psychology would never encourage this. That's why they hate God's word, by the way. No psychologist wants you to say, I loathe my actions. I loathe what I've become. I loathe. And he says, you shouldn't. You've got to love yourself. Do you know why we don't want to loathe ourselves so much? Because we love ourselves that much. You know what? We don't have a problem with loving ourselves in a world today. Listen, you don't have to. Please, don't tell me that. Because if you said, you, you, I don't love myself, really? All right, tomorrow, we'll just go ahead and if we could, we'll switch that terminal cancer from that one to you. You hate yourself anyway. You would rather have it anyhow. Well, you'd say, no way. I don't want that. Why? Because you love yourself. You love yourself. You don't want to have to go through that. You don't deserve that. I mean, come on, man. I mean, we don't, we're not honest with ourselves. And the world over here, all these kids, look at these kids need to learn to love themselves. That's why they're, they're doing things. That's why they're killing themselves. That's why they're on drugs and alcohol. They just have such bad self-esteem. No, they love themselves too much. They even feel so entitled to everything in the world. They think they're entitled to everything. Why? Because they think they're all that. I deserve attention. I deserve this. I deserve that. I deserve this. You have no right looking at me that way. You have no right acting like that. You have no right calling me that. You have no right offending me like that. 
Why? How can you be offended if you're so, you should be going, thank you. I needed that. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I'm a big zero. Thank you. I finally, someone agrees with me. But that's not how it is. We get offended. You know why I get so offended? Because we're so prideful and arrogant. It's all about us. We're selfish. So he says, well, I'm quiet. I'm not like that. You're selfish. You won't even die to self enough to let God use you. It's all about you, not him. Well, I could never, I could never teach us. I could never, I could never do this. I'm just quiet. I'm, I'm really reserved. I'm really, oh, so it's all about you. So it is still about you, right? So I guess you do love yourself pretty good. I mean, somebody's saying, you're nuts, preacher. No, I'm not nuts. I mean, you figure it out. You read the books. You see the psychobabble bull that's out there in the world. It is junk. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing better than God's psychology. And God knows what he's talking about because he knows one thing. He knows one thing. We love ourselves. And that's the thing we got to die to, self, all the time. I don't have a clue what any of this has to do with the lesson, but I, well, you got to dedicate yourself, friend. <laughs> dedicate yourself, amen? Romans chapter 6, verse 13 says, Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. How often have we failed to dedicate and present ourselves wholeheartedly to God? Do I really want to even count? I don't want to count. I'm talking about my own times. I mean, nothing stunts our growth. Nothing um, causes us to, to remain little, if you will, as a believer or hinder God's blessings in our lives as withholding ourselves from him. We can't yield ourselves. He says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. <clears throat> Big question. I think I know the answer. I know the answer in my life. Here it is now. Um, <clears throat> have you ever, have you ever Yielded your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. You ever done that? Don't answer. I think I know the answer. Let me ask you this. Have you yielded your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin in the last week? Don't answer that. Have you you yielded... Your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin in the last 24 hours. Now, wait a second. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. We're believers. He died for us. And he's telling us, don't do bad. Instead, he says... Yield yourselves unto God. How? As those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You say, well, there's some, listen. Preacher, I'm telling you, I have yielded my instruments as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
Okay, that's good. But have you yielded your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin at any time as well? Because see, again, I think sometimes that we have levels of dedication. And we base it on, well, for the most part, I'm obedient. There is this window that I'm not obedient. There are things that I, I know are wrong. However, everybody's got their thing. Right? So I'm not any worse than anybody else. But that's not the standard. If you want to please God with your life, you need to, I need to dedicate my life to him. And we're not talking about just partially or when it's convenient. We're talking about yielding our bodies and our parts every day, all day, every night, all night. To constantly be giving ourselves to him, dedicated, dedicated to him. So have you ever presented your body to the Lord? I mean, have you officially done that even? Has there ever been a time in your life when you said, Lord, here's all of me. I'm giving myself completely to you. I'm dedicating my life to you. Whatever you want to do with it. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Because it's God, isn't it, that decides how long you even live. So if I'm going to give him my life, does that mean he might want to take it? Don't tell me you haven't thought about stuff like that. I have. I'm just saying, but have you come to that place? You know what? If we're not pleasing God, then we're not truly fulfilling our purpose for existing. You can't possibly be, you can't possibly be satisfied and fulfilled as a believer unless you are pleasing God, fulfilling your purpose. And you can't please God until you dedicate your life to him. It's possible that there are Christians that have never, ever once dedicated their life to the Lord. I think they got saved. They, they understood salvation. They realized that, that he died for them and was buried and rose again, that they are now a new creature in Christ. But I do believe that in every believer's life, there comes a place where they come to the conclusion, to the end of themselves in a sense, the Spirit of God speaks to them and they recognize the need to give, almost give God permission to do anything and everything he wants to do. You say, well, I don't have to give him permission. It's all his anyway. In a sense, you do have to. It is up to you whether you dedicate yourself to him or not. Because, see, God is not going to strong arm anybody. He's a gentleman. He is not going to make you surrender all. We sing, I surrender all. I surrender all, all to him, I, all to Jesus. Uh, I can't remember how it goes now. But we sing, I surrender all. Do we? Have you dedicated yourself? I just want to encourage you to do that. Have you handed over to him the very parts of your body? Your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your lips. In other words, yourself. Well, I'll tell you what, if we truly want to please God, then we need to make it our ambition. To, if we're going to have to make it our greatest ambition in life. And in order to do that, you have to be saved. 
got to be born again. You have, to, you have to separate yourself from all sinful and doubtful things. And then you must dedicate yourself, your life to him. And those are just three things. And there's a few more we'll get to later. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time that we have together. And Lord, just the simplicity of your word. Lord, it's not complicated many times. It's not. It's, it's, 